0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's
1: Hospital. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant hiriquitz and with me is my co-host, Bahati banks.
0: What's up, Jason? How you doing? Oh, fantastic, Bahati! Wonderful. It's so wonderful to be <laughs> in South Florida in the wintertime. It's there's no There's, a
1: no, win- there's no winter. in I South know, Florida. Right? It's fantastic. It's, it's just winter in South Florida is a myth.
0: I'm still getting used to it. I, this my this makes my second year down here. So um, February is a, it's a beautiful time. Uh, I didn't of know you've been down here so. Yeah, yeah. I just made just my no. two year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. I
1: I met you, like, literally when you just moved down?
0: Pretty much. A well, few months after I relocated, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So February um, is an awesome month, but one of the reasons it's so awesome this year is because we are opening Joe DiMaggio Children's Health Specialty Center in Wellington, Florida. Oh, Yeah, on fancy. February 18th. Yeah, that's the official uh, open day for patients. And parents living in Palm Beach County can now have access to nine different pediatric specialties under one roof that's very close to home.
1: Wow, that is amazing. It is. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a
0: wonderful, wonderful uh, achievement in terms of our moving moving more into Palm Beach County. So in honor of the grand opening, today's guest is Dr. Mauricio Flores. He's one of our newest pediatric endocrinologists, and he's actually going to be practicing at Wellington, so we thought it would be a good idea. Oh, we got we got the exclusive interview. Yeah, we got the exclusive interview. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's going to be joining us later to talk about tips about healthy child growth. Oh. Because as a pediatric endocrinologist, um, a lot of the major conditions that they um, see children for are like juvenile diabetes, mm-hmm. growth issues like short stature, um, as well as puberty, which brings us to our coffee chat. Oh. And this is really interesting, actually. Um, the topic that I thought would be interesting, that's con- kind of connected to um, pediatric endocrinology, are uh, synthetic chemicals causing early puberty in girls? Yes.
1: Next question. <laughs> no. <This> is, yes. <laughs> I mean, this,
2: yeah. Yeah. This yeah. has been a
0: long, uh, long-standing. There's there've been studies, but there needs to be more studies in terms of like that human uh, connection between chemicals and. Um, Synthetic chemicals and early onset of of puberty, specifically in girls. There have been a lot of animal studies done, but um, very interesting.
1: Very, very interesting. interesting. So we get to discuss late bloomers and early bloomers Mm -hmm. and and everything in between. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor.
0: For eight years, thousands have been united by one cause, to support Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital at its annual Tour de Broward event, Funds benefit the entire hospital. You can ride, run, walk, have fun with your family in the Power of Play Kids Zone, or simply donate to the 2018 Torto Broward being held on February 25. Visit tortobroward.com to register and help make a difference. Welcome
1: back. Before we get to today's guest, Bahati and I will discuss what's making news in the parenting world. Bahati. All
0: right, so today's coffee chat is going to be all about uh, synthetic chemicals. Are synthetic chemicals causing early onset of puberty in girls? So as we all know, the typical age range for puberty varies slightly among girls and boys. So normally, um, girls become sexually mature between the ages of eight and 13. Sounds about right. And boys between <laughs> nine and fifteen. So they kind of overlap, but then of course girls
1: That's where the myth came from that 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 uh or, or excuse me, alleged myth uh. That, that uh girls mature faster than boys. Yes, <laughs> just, just by one year.
0: It's, it's, it's not that. By- <laughs> Allegedly. Yes. So over the last um ten to twenty years, researchers have noticed that the age of puberty has actually been dropping um, specifically in young girls really Uh uh-huh this is typically referred to as precocious puberty
1: I like that term. Right. I, mean, I mean, it may not be a good thing, but right. precocious. Preco- I like kinda Yeah, of...
0: precocious puberty or early onset mm-hmm. of puberty. Um, researchers first noticed that U.S. girls' breast development was coming on a lot earlier than expected. Um, in some cases, well, as eight young is as pretty. Seven. I know, eight, yeah, is, pretty eight is pretty young. <laughs> so I was like, how much <laughs> earlier we talking about? That's actually how old I was when I first began to develop, but age seven is actually... And what's um, happening now? And there's an increasing number of young girls who are developing sexual, sexually a lot quicker uh, than, than their predecessors. in
1: elementary school now. Yes. What? Yes.
0: Yes. A lot of implications, all kinds of different implications in terms of like the environmental impact. But based on what I was reading, let me, let me keep going. Let's keep us back. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, so there was a landmark uh, U.S. study published in 1997 that first kind of rang the alarm about this. Since then, many animal studies have found that these so-called, they're called endocrine disrupting chemicals, are linked to early puberty in animals. Uh, More recently, a study in the journal Human Reproduction found that girls exposed while in the womb to common chemicals found in personal products used by their moms, like toothpaste, soaps, shampoos, perfumes, makeup, just everyday so products that we use. So just the stuff that you live
1: your life with. Yeah, That's basically wow. everyday items. So it's not even exotic stuff. No, it's not exotic.
0: It doesn't have to be exotic. So all of these cosmetic and personal grooming um not all uh, the, the ones that have um chemical right, certain, certain 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 um, phthalates are one parabens and phenols like if you can't pronounce it you shouldn't be putting it on your body
1: But <laughs> but I mean can, I mean can we I mean look uh, finding all natural right I mean is anything really all natural in I don't
0: the think so you technically know? but they're Something definitely is synthetic. yeah I mean yeah. we
1: can we can you Know avoid as much as possible. The there stuff are a lot
0: though. more products on the market that are claiming to be all natural, correct? Whether they are or not, right? never know, yeah, <laughs> <Really>? exactly. <laughs> so,
1: basically, you know, don't use or wear anything that has 18 syllables in it, yeah. You know, that's basically, if, basically you have, if you have to sound it out, yeah, maybe, yeah, that maybe, maybe you shouldn't put it especially on, especially while body. while you know, <laughs> gestating, newborn or.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the study actually found that there may be a connection. At all points. It all indicates that these endocrine or hormone disrupting chemicals. Mm-hmm. There, it suggests that could that they could be the culprit in terms of girls um, starting their puberty too soon. Um, obviously, there are other things like obesity mm-hmm. uh, also has been genetics linked. Genetics. Yeah, yeah. Genetics. Exactly. So it's um, nature versus. Nurture, is versus, it the environment, versus synthetics, versus <laughs> synthetics right? It's, it's, there are all kinds of things that could be leading to this, mm-hmm. but chemicals, specifically synthetic yeah, the, chemicals found in our personal products. Right,
1: there is a correlation doesn't necessarily pr- pr- prove causality. Correct, But Correct. even though I'm not an expert in this, I concur. <laughs>
0: now did you notice any um, abnormal spurts in your boys when Um, they're right in that age range
1: I mean they started crawling up my height you know really really early Mm -hmm. so no I wouldn't say I noticed it maybe I was blind to it because you know I'm a man Mm -hmm. and the taller they got is more masculine I felt but no um, I didn't notice anything Um, but this is uh, being studied yes. and as as early as 1997, you said yes, yes, yes. Yep. Where, is this is you know, over ten years? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, yeah, how have I not heard about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's been sitting for over ten years.
0: It, it one of the one of the other takeaways. Um, you know, when you're dealing with children who are developing very quickly, like I was a very very early bloomer, um, is to have those conversations. Like a lot of times, you're like, "Oh, my kid is going to develop." At the normal age, but when they don't, it's so important. Just because a kid may look more sexually mature than they are, doesn't mean they have the brain capacity, the exactly. intelligence, the knowledge to really handle Egg- the kind exactly. of um, potential
1: a- admiration. Admiration. That's, uh, that's a good, that's, word. That's a good <laughs> word, isn't it? <laughs> that's yes, it is. Admiration.
0: And um, just, you know, different behaviors yes. that you may experience from uh from people when mm-hmm. you look like you're older than you really are mm-hmm. so it's really important for parents to talk to their kids um and talk to their their teachers yeah, about be mindful you know, be, just be really mindful about
1: and uh them. you know dare i say communication yes communication <laughs> communication, communication. <laughs> we hear the healthy parenting podcast advocate communication always all always. the time
0: this has been a really great discussion <laughs> yes it <Jason>. has. <laughs> Before we get to our next, uh, today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor.
3: Hello, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Turner, and I'm a pediatric and congenital heart surgeon at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. The term heart failure describes a heart that's not functioning properly. It does not mean that the heart has stopped working, but that it is not working as well as it should be. Heart problem symptoms can be broken down into two different categories. One, serious congenital heart defects, and two, less serious congenital heart defects. Serious congenital heart defects usually become evident soon after birth or during the first few months of life. Signs and symptoms may include pale gray or blue skin color, also known as cyanosis, rapid breathing, shortness of breath during feedings, poor weight gain, or failure to thrive. Less serious congenital heart defects may not be diagnosed until later in childhood because your child may not have any noticeable signs of a problem. If signs and symptoms are evident in older children they may include easily becoming short of breath during exercise or physical activity, easily tiring during exercise or physical activity, fainting during exercise or physical activity, swelling in hands, ankles, or feet. If you identify any of these symptoms Please see your doctor who will make the right examination and identify if there's something to worry about.
1: Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Our special guest today is Dr. Mauricio Flores, a pediatric endocrinologist at Joe Maggio Children's Hospital.
2: Dr. Flores, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. Appreciate it.
0: So, today's topic um, we know you're new to Jodi, um, and so we wanted to just start off by asking you since you're so new, um, sharing what you're looking forward to most in your new role and why you chose to came to come to Jody.
2: Yes, I came on board in June 2018, and uh, with a very special and unique opportunity to join the division of pediatric endocrinology, and um, and extend our services to the Palm Beach County. Uh, we're thrilled to be part of the Wellington community as we are opening a state-of-the-art, multi-specialty facility. Okay. This project is a major milestone for Jody Major Children's Hospital and a Memorial Healthcare System. Indeed, wow. it is. So,
0: welcome to the community. Welcome. So, you're new to Thank Wellington as well, right? I am. How has that transition gone?
2: I'm really happy to to have chosen that area. Oh, no, that's good, great. Good,
0: good, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, we're excited definitely to be moving into the Palm Beach, further into the Palm Beach area. So, we're glad to, to have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a special place. Yeah, we're
2: enjoying it as place. a family. Yeah, it's a, as a family, you know, mm-hmm. blending with the community has mm-hmm. been very important.
1: Awesome. awesome. So today's episode is about uh, healthy child growth. So let's take uh, let's start the journey. Um, how a child, uh, when it would see uh, you, Doctor Flores, and uh, why would a pediatric pediatrician refer a child to a pediatric endocrinologist?
2: Absolutely. Uh, the most common reason for referral is short stature. Hmm. These are children who may grow okay, but they they're not as tall as expected. Hmm. So that's usually the the initial reason, and pediatricians use a powerful tool called the growth chart. And some measurements are plotted on, on the growth curve, and if these measurements don't make sense or or children are not as tall as expected, um, the pediatrician may trigger a referral. Okay. The second most common case, for example, is uh, short stature secondary to uh, delayed puberty. Some kids are not um, showing signs of secondary sexual maturation or sexual development, and they seem to be shorter than other kids.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So, obviously, every kid is different, so... Like I'm very short. I think I'm very short. I think I stopped growing. Listen, you know, you know, you don't know, you know, you're no taller than me. Okay.
1: No, right. I'm, I I say that on festive size. So you know, I'm we very proud of my height. Okay. We
0: are both short adults, Jason and <laughs> I. I'm proud of the. I'm the proud of the same team. team. <laughs> you're taller than us. Though. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so I guess um, this is when. What would you like? Every child is different. So I guess how would a parent know that they're on the they're on. The right road, like they're on the right growth chart. Like, I know some parents will, you know, measure, measure them measure. on the door yeah. frame. So, you're like whatever. asking, you're asking,
1: like, how short is too short? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, should my mother have, have gone to a pediatric a mm-hmm. I mean, I, I literally stopped growing at the age of 13. So, but again, that's like genetic because my grandma's like under five feet tall. So, right. she probably didn't think it was abnormal. But how do you know what's normal, what's not normal?
2: Exactly. Like, well, you know, we use a tool. We, I call it as a GPS because yeah. oh. it gives me the information I need to know if a child is truly short or is there's an underlying disease process that needs to be looked at. For example, I am 5'8". On a good day, of course.
0: On <laughs> <laughs> a happy day. Upright, yes.
2: My wife is 5'4". Mm-hmm. So if you do the math, you know, the average... Um, uh, plus some adjustments that we have to to do for girls and boys, mm. but they're not expected to be taller than me mm-hmm. uh, using that formula. Mm-hmm. So I am at the end of the growth chart. Obviously, I'm, I'm I plot between the 25th and the 50th percentile uh, on the chart. So my children are expected to grow around the 25th and 50th percentile. Okay. So we look at that. Oh, so, my GPS yeah. is the parent's height. Okay. We call that a mid-parental height. Okay. Without a mid-parental height, we're lost. We can give, you know, uh, so we, don't, we don't expert know yeah. advice because we, we really don't know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Now, if a child is growing in the lower percentile of the curve mm-hmm. and the parents are tall, there's a question mark. And I have to find out what's going on. Okay. With their growth
0: Does the same thing apply if a child is growing too fast? Like sometimes, like you're ten and you're six feet tall. Would that be a sign of a right. growth abnormality?
1: For
2: example, I use my mid parental height, <laughs> and if I, well, I should expect that this child should be growing at a certain percentile. Mm-hmm. If they're growing too fast or they're too tall, mm-hmm. that also is triggers a. Workup for us. Mm. That could be a case of growth my excess. Mm.
1: In your field, do you take into consideration recessive genes at all? I only ask because my oldest, he's fourteen, and he, at thirteen, is already taller than me and his mom. We're we're shorter, so he's um, he's got to be five six now. Um, and so I attribute it to potential recessive genes because he has light eyes. We neither have light eyes. He's got fair skin. Neither has a fair skin. He's got Light hair, neither fair So we assumed it was recessive genes, So do you take that into consideration we prior do. to? Okay, we do. We have to ask proper questions. Uh,
2: for example, if you come to see me, I would start asking about your, your brothers, your mm-hmm. sisters, your parents, and we refer into the height mm-hmm. and the same thing with the wives. You know, family members, mm-hmm. sisters, um, you know, parents or brothers, and, and we do um, an average. And if you know, a child is too tall or, or they're growing too fast, you know, we have to look into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But definitely we look into the family tree. And you know, oh, okay. You know, everything is controlled by our genes. You know, the color our, of our eyes, the right. color of our skin, yes. and our yes. hair, and our height as well. And yes. it's unpredictable. <laughs> I can, can attest to that. <laughs> They're unpredictable. I usually say you didn't read the textbook.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, in addition to the stature issues, what are some of the other primary endocrine disorders that most children present with at your office?
2: Well, luckily, the most cases I see are not, uh, they don't represent a disease process itself. They're called normal variants of growth. Mm. The most common one is called familial short stature. That's when parents are short. And the kids are expected to be short, but, you know, mm-hmm. when they plot, they use their height and they plot them on the growth curve, mm-hmm. Right, they seem to be too short. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the the second most common one is is known as constitutional growth delay. You may have heard of people say you're going to be a late grower or a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we start seeing them um, as children. You know, there is a special test that gives us a clue. It's called an X-ray of the hand or bone age. And if the bone age is... Delayed by one or two, three years, we know that they're going to hit their puberty later. Mm. Okay. And uh, during that time, you know, they seem to be smaller than other kids. But mm-hmm. when it's time for them to catch up, mm-hmm.
1: just be prepared. Because <laughs> they're going to spurt. See, <laughs> see, and I thought <laughs> that that was a phrase we just told, you know, youngins, you know, we, when they're feeling, yeah, you're, you're going you're to blossom you're later. Right, I thought right. it was something that his parents just said. It's yeah, that's no. actual term. All right.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. It true. There are a lot of late bloomers <laughs> and there are a lot of early bloomers. I'm, 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 I'm the
1: latest bloomer, so I'm still waiting to bloom. <laughs> what would you uh, say to parents if they uh, suspect their child isn't growing or developing at the rate uh, they think they should?
2: Well, as we were uh, discussing at the beginning, mm-hmm. some of them might take some measurements at home. Mm-hmm. So, in general, kids grow, of course, before puberty, they grow mm-hmm. two inches per year,
0: or mm-hmm. well, one inch
2: every six months, and that's predictable. Wow. So, wow. if they're not growing two inches a year, uh, that may trigger a referral to the specialist. Uh, but it's important, of course, to remember you know, proper measurements are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always good to speak to the primary care doctor. I like to review the growth chart with them. Right. I show them, okay, these are you know, the height measurements, and, and we do the manual count. We, we you know, measure exactly how many centimeters they've been growing for you know, three, 6, 9 months, 10, 12 months, and then we, we say, okay,
1: there's got to be something happening if, if you're not growing 2 mm-hmm. inches per year. Hmm. So here's a, here's a scenario. Um, a parent uh, comes in. They know there's something wrong with their child. They know their child is too short. Uh, and you may you may say that they're a late bloomer or that they, you know it's it's a you know delayed development. What would you do in that circumstance when a page when a patient's uh, or a child's parent insists that there is that there is a problem? That well, I will?
2: listen to them. Mm-hmm. I'm a parent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially you have to listen to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my own in my own experience, one of my my, my my younger child, he wasn't growing. And I said, you know, he's going to catch up. Don't worry about it. Right. So we tested him. He was growth hormone deficient. Mm. And this was my wife insisting, You know, and of course, mm-hmm. I didn't have those height measurements with me all the time. But, right. But, you know, it's important to listen. I, mm-hmm. I like to listen to my parents. And, and definitely, we, 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 we try to do some testing.
0: That's like the best skill, I think, for any doctor to have is listening skills. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes... That's all a parent wants. Yeah, just to to, to unload hear. and right. just yeah. be heard by yeah.
1: by a professional or a third party person.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. most in most cases, I I do see the need for parents uh, to listen to the specialists. You know what they have to say. And sometimes, it, most times, the pediatricians are right with their, you know, assessments. But they still want to hear from us,
0: mm-hmm. which
2: mm-hmm. is which it is. It's yeah, it's in our Yeah.
0: How important would you say sleep is in a child's development? I remember growing up, I slept all the time. I slept all the time, <laughs> like up until the age of like 19. And I was like, is there something wrong with me? That's but- just the late blooming. <laughs> I was <laughs> but I know that sleep is very important. But how, how important is it? Yeah,
2: sleep is like nutrition. If we mm. don't eat, we don't survive. If we don't sleep, we can't function well. So um, sleep and you know, maybe your grandparents used to tell you or mm. my parents, or my grandparents used to say, if you don't sleep enough, you, you don't grow. And uh, that was absolutely true. Wow. It's backed up by, you know, scientific studies. Mm. And uh, sleep is divided and the way we, we sleep, it goes in cycles mm. through the night. So each cycle may last between 90 to 120 minutes. And uh, each cycle has four stages. And I, I bring this up because the, the most important stage, at least from a growth standpoint, is stage three is our deep sleep is when we really recover from, you know, previous day and we, we, we recuperate that energy. Mm. So most growth hormone is released during stage three of sleep. This is, you know, somebody wants to wake you up mm-hmm. and you don't hear anything, mm-hmm. you don't feel anything. And it's important because um, if we don't go through those sleep cycles, through the night mm-hmm. um, we miss, you know, that opportunity to to receive that benefit from the growth hormone release. So children should sleep at least at least or go through those, you know, cycles at least five or six. So in other words, they have to sleep an average of nine to eleven hours. Oh wow. during adolescence, because of the growth spur, we need more stitch three sleep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why some as, as you said, sometimes in adolescence, sleep more than what we now you mean nine or eleven so.
1: nine nine or eleven uh, oh, hours? Yes. Oh. The t- uh, total or at one in one in one time? No,
2: no total. Like in total, o- Okay, overnight.
1: Because okay, like I don't know how it feels <laughs> you know, my child is, is hibernating for nine to eleven hours, <laughs> and I know you know this is good for your, for your growth, but that's a little long. Okay, well, it what sounds I- like it's yeah. long, but it's you know it's it
2: because you you are sure they go through those right. stages of sleep, at least, you know, six of them.
0: We actually had an episode that we did, um, Jason, I don't know if you remember, I don't know, if I think we was a coffee chat where we talked about the need for children to start school later because of that very oh, reason. Yes, uh, yes, there was yes. some research that had been done that found that children weren't getting enough sleep, and that was having a, you know, a domino effect in terms of, their academic performance. So there has been some school districts who are actually starting later um, in the morning instead of starting at, like, 7, they're starting at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning so that kids can get that extra sleep that they obviously need. Absolutely
1: need, yes, obviously need. Yeah, that makes
0: so yeah, and sometimes parents may even feel that their kids are lazy. <laughs> um, like, why are you always sleeping? Mm-hmm. That is natural, it's right? Natural, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: especially in adolescence.
0: Yes, yeah. You
1: have to sleep more.
0: Validation. Well, yes.
1: sleep, sleep. <laughs> we all love our sleep. Sleep is fantastic. But what about uh, diet and exercise? Well, right? Oh you know, nutrition is the key for anything we do in life,
2: and we have to um, eat healthy. Uh, children need a combination of, you know, protein, uh, carbohydrates, good fats, not just vitamins. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, parents have to always think about a supplement in their nutrition in case if they're, ex- you know, extremely active and they're burning too many calories. Besides the regular meals mm-hmm. and good snacks, they have to also supplement their, their daily diet.
0: Mm-hmm. What is
1: now, your... Now, exercise...
2: all okay, no, no, means. by all means... So exercise is is also important because the remaining growth hormone secretion besides sleep is comes from exercise, you know, especially mm-hmm. if it's in, in in intense training or mm-hmm. you know intense physical activities, the growth hormone is released during that time. That's why you know people that are very active mm-hmm. they, they have the benefit of growth hormone even as an anti-aging. You know, yeah,
1: what about um, child obesity? You know, or, or at least. Um, uh heavy set children, chubby children. Do you what do you think about um like portion controls and, and, and actually putting on dieting? Is that a prior to or during uh puberty? How would that how would it affect or is that even uh, something that you would recommend?
2: Well portion control is a key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the pediatric population, uh, we don't necessarily prescribe diets. Mm-hmm. You just need to avoid the unhealthy stuff, the unhealthy foods healthy snacks empty calories Mm -hmm. they don't need that now now that you mentioned that I can tell you um, too much sugar uh, triggers too much insulin that's how the body uh, regulates your your glucose Mm -hmm. and if you produce too much insulin that goes against growth hormone so in general we don't recommend um, you know sugary snacks before going to bed because that may inhibit that growth hormone Mm -hmm. is being released during deep sleep
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So even from a growth standpoint, right. you know, having a balanced diet and and good snacks even especially before going to bed I think is important. To keep so everything, keep everything in
1: moderation if not swinging more to the healthier side of, of things. Yeah, moderation.
0: That's the word. Moderation. Oh, moderation. That's my that's my motto. That's, moderation. That's that's, that's the everything healthy
1: parenting moderation. podcast motto. <laughs> moderation and communication. That's that's it. That's our tagline. <laughs>
0: Um, So, Dr. Flores, if a parent suspects that their child is having growth issues, are there diagnostic tests that they should be aware of that should be taken prior to seeing a pediatric endocrinologist?
2: Well, pediatricians usually order uh, x-rays and and blood work. Sometimes parents just request a direct uh, consultation with a specialist without any testing, but parents can request, Mm -hmm. you know, um, some testing, which is simple. It's not, you know, specialized. And and
1: pedi- pediatric doctors can simply order an x-ray
0: mm-hmm. okay right.
1: do you suggest that parents uh keep a journal of their their children's uh sleep cycles their growth their behavioral changes any any symptoms that they may or may not notice i think it's important to keep track of you know their their growth
2: process uh, their nutrition and nowadays, and I know I'm going to mention something that is open to discussion. But mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, with electronics, uh, screens, mm-hmm. uh, laptops, um, you know, um, smartphones, it, it is known that, you know, the, these screens can trigger a problem in their brain, especially with their sleep cycle. Really? Uh, there is a wavelength, it's known as the blue light or the mm-hmm. blue wavelength, that yes. affects your internal clock. So the brain gets disrupted and, and children can sleep well. Uh, that may affect growth well in the long run. So besides, you know, keeping track of their activity, their nutrition, uh, the sleeping hours, I think it's important to to limit somehow the their screen time
1: before going to bed. That's what I was gonna say, I was, you mean before going to bed or like does it does it have a like a I don't know, a, a compound effect the more they look at it all day?
2: It's idea. Ideally, you know, to assure proper growth, um, I, you know, in general, we recommend two hours before you know turn off the screen, two mm-hmm. hours before
1: you go to bed. Mm-hmm. My children will not go for that, but <laughs> I will try. These <laughs> are weekdays. Yeah, they weekdays. Yeah. yeah.
0: I read that. I read an article, and that same uh, the blue light um, phenomenon was actually happening in adults as well. Like a lot of adults don't get good sleep. And oftentimes it's because we're literally in the bed, right. looking at our smart device. The lights are off, but the blue light continues to be exactly. on. now, the light screen. that yeah.
1: the light that emanates from our cell phones are different from the light that emanates from from the TV screens because aren't smart TVs kind of uh, made on the same kind of material or it's use the same kind of light rays as our cell phones?
2: Might be. But, I mean, I'm not, right. not no, an expert no. in that, but I, I can tell you. That it's not just the light. Right. Uh, imagine it, you you're watching a a movie that's that's very intense and yeah. you, know, you turn it off, you fall asleep, turn yeah. off the TV and then you know, your brain activity it's still is still going, it's still processing, it's going. processing it's going. it. Yes, yes. So, you have those dreams. so it's not just the screen itself, it's mm-hmm. what you're watching. Mm-hmm. You imagine this, these kids nowadays playing in violent games and mm-hmm. yeah, or they're in teams and and they're very competitive mm-hmm. and their brain brain activity is high. So turning off the, the video game and then going straight to bed that may trigger some
1: sleeping problems. So basically, no no sugar and no no screens <laughs> two, two hours, hours two hours before bed. If okay. there's anything you At take away from this hours. episode, it's no 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 sugar, no screens, two hours prior to bedtime. Any- I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I am, I'm gonna try it. Let's see what happens. I'd be interested let's, to hear let's, what let's rock happens. Let's watch the boat. Let's see what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all the it's all good. It's all good advice. Do you have any takeaway advice that you'd like to share for parents before we leave?
2: Absolutely. We always like to to say uh, children grow in a very unique pattern. Not all children grow the same. Some of them grow more during summer months, some other, you know, grow differently. Um, it's very important not to compare the growth process of your children with the neighbors, with you know, the friends, their mm-hmm. school peers, even some relatives. Um, we've had this experience, you know, parents come in and they, they're concerned that, you know, their the children look smaller than their mm-hmm. friend, of course. Mm-hmm. And going back to our mid-parental height, our tool, to estimate how tall a person is going to be, we always say, you know, we, we should consider our you know, children's height based on mm-hmm. parents' height. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. a very important uh, message for, for our parents and um, nutrition and sleep, I would say physical activities, proper nutrition and adequate sleep uh, will definitely help with their growth process. That will assure you know, a uh, successful process.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thank you awesome. so much for joining us. Dr. This Flores, has been really, really educational. Thank you
1: so much. Um, you've definitely given me a... Uh, a project <laughs> to to, to, a to try yeah, a little research project. Uh, you know, I definitely would love to see where that where that goes. But thank you so much for the information. Thank you for, for joining You're us. You're welcome. And thank you for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Please like, it, subscribe, and share to our Facebook fan.